Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So if you've been around here for any amount of time, you, you kind of know that I enjoy stories and I enjoy telling stories for a couple of reasons. Number one, that's just my natural bent. That's, that's how I'm wired is to, to tell stories because I believe that stories have a way of connecting uh, truth to our hearts more than just saying a precept, okay? So um, if you've been to a funeral that I've done, I always end with the same story, okay? It's a Winston Churchill story. Then when Churchill died, 1965, 1964, excuse me, he planned his own funeral in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And at the end of the Anglican liturgy, he added his own Churchillian flair, that he had a bugler stationed high in the dome of St. Paul's, and that bugler began playing the song Taps, the universal song, the universal sign that the day is over. But as the last note of Taps faded out of earshot, there was another bugler stationed on the other side of the dome, and he began to play the song Reveille. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up in the morning. Now, the reason I tell that story at every funeral is because it would be easy to say, we have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's true. But telling that story, then I can say it a different way. I can say, in Christ, the last note of life is never taps. The last note of life is always revelry. It's resurrection because of Jesus Christ. And that story makes that truth come alive and it puts it in a place not only that's accessible to us, but it makes truth a little bit sticky. So, so stories is how I'm wired. And it seems to be that that was kind of how Jesus was wired too. Sounds like I'm calling myself a whole lot more like Jesus than you guys, but that, that aside, you know. It's kind of the way Jesus was wired too. In fact, if you take the entire corpus of his teaching in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 45% of what Jesus taught was story. Stories are a Trojan horse. They look interesting on the outside, so you let them into the inner chamber of your heart. And only when that truth gets loose do you realize it's too late to defend against it, right? And all of a sudden, truth has found its way into your heart. So we're going into a part, we're, we're doing this teaching series, Simply Jesus, making our way through the Gospel of Luke. Listen, as a church, we could talk about a lot of stuff. Am I naive to believe that what the church ought to talk about most is just Jesus? Let's just focus on, on Him. So we're going through Luke, and we're at that part of Luke where Jesus is telling story after story after story. And so this week, next week, and the following week, we're going to look at three of Jesus' principal stories, and here's going to be the challenge for us. And the challenge is not to disengage from these stories. Because we've heard them, because it's kind of a well-worn mental path, we say, oh, I know that story, and it's easy to check out, okay? So instead of disengaging, uh, in fact, what's coming to mind, um, I'm going to quote a, a big-time saint here, Ready? St. Don Henley, lead singer of the Eagles, okay? So I caught an interview years ago, and he said, you know, we have sung Hotel California a million times. By the way, the Eagles are coming in May. Revival is about to break out in Tulsa. I just feel it, all right? 
He said, we've sung Hotel California a million times, but every time I sing it, I have to sing it like the first time. I have to bring all that energy to it and sing it like the first time. So it is with the stories of Jesus. We got to hear this today as though we're hearing it for the first time. And instead of disengaging, I want us to practice discernment. And that's a big spiritual word, but it is a good word that simply means this. What is God doing right here, right now? What is God saying right here, right now? What does God want to communicate about who He is and who I am supposed to be in a relationship with Him? So don't disengage. Lean in. So I'm going to be in Luke chapter 8 this morning. Luke chapter 8, this is the parable of Jesus. In fact, He's kind of up on a hillside. He's in a rural area. Probably there's somebody planting their crop as He's talking about this. So not only... Is he telling a story, but there's the visual of a farmer planting his crop, and Jesus tells this parable, this story, Luke 8, starting in verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told a story, he told a parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, it was trampled on. Birds of the air came and ate it up. That seed wasn't given much of a chance. Some seed fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. In other words, it was just a thin layer of soil, but it was all rocky underneath. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. Okay, so in this story, and we're going to get to Jesus' explanation of this parable, of this story here in just a moment, but there's three major characters in this parable, okay? And, and oftentimes we, we just go straight to the soil, and that's the main character, but there's two other characters. First, there's the sower. There's the farmer. And he is the one that is scattering the seed. We'll get to that in just a moment. But, but this farmer is going out to sow the seed, and it seems as though... He is rather careless with his distribution of seed. So if it were me, if I were planting and, and seed corn costs money, I would be very careful about where I distribute that seed. I would only plant it in the places that I thought it was most likely to grow, okay? But not this farmer. This farmer is careless. This farmer is lavish. Dare I even say this farmer is reckless in the way that He's casting about a seed. In other words, if even there's a small chance that a seed would take root somewhere, he's going to hit every corner of the farm. So we just sang a song a minute ago. You may not be aware of this. It's the reckless love of God, or you heard it sung. Um, when this song came out about five or six years ago, it caused, it caused a bit of a scandal. Dare I say, a kerfuffle among people. I just like using the word kerfuffle. It, it caused a bit of a scandal because to call God reckless, okay? And so now there, there are two groups that formed around this little, and you didn't know it was scandalous until I told you so, right? So one group said, well, that word reckless, that, that's showing disrespect for God, and I get that. The other group said, no, 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 it's just describing the way God seems to work. If you read Luke 15, and if you read Luke 8 with, with the farmer, he seems to just not to distribute the seed wisely, but wildly, Okay. So you know what I think about the controversy? I don't care. <laughs> Many times when there's a, an issue going on and people take sides or an issue, I go, 
I've got real problems in the world and that's not one of them. Can I give you a little piece of wisdom? You don't have to weigh in to everything anybody says is a scandal, okay? You can just say, that's not a real problem. I have real problems in life and that's not one of them. What we see here in Luke chapter eight is the farmer being reckless. If he was more responsible, he would have put the seed not on the path, not on what he knows to be thorny ground. He would put it just in the place where it was 100% sure to grow, but he doesn't do that. What do we take away from this? We learn about God from this. Listen, God is lavish with his love, and he's lavish in two areas particularly. He is lavish with his revelation. God wants to be known. He's broadcasting who he is and who he is in Jesus Christ, namely. God is lavish. He is careless. He is reckless with his revelation. He wants everyone to know who he is. Today, you might feel like God is hiding from you. That is not the case. God is not hiding from you. You might be hiding from him. God wants to be known. So he's lavish with his revelation. God is also lavish with his respect. He won't take the seed and he won't drive it down into the soil of your heart. He won't force you to accept it. It's available, but he's not going to push himself off on you. So that's the sower. And what does the sower do? He's throwing out the seed, and the seed is the second character in this drama. Now, what exactly is the seed? And Jesus will talk about it as the Word of God here in just a moment. But if you drift back up to verse 1 of chapter 8, Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Ultimately, this is the seed. First of all, it's good news, not bad news. It's not entertainment news. It's not fake news. It's good news. And the good news is Jesus can be your king. Here's why that is good news. I'm convinced we cannot be truly and fully human until we know Jesus as our king. When he becomes our king, then we become alive. Okay. This is the good news. Okay. Now we come to the third character, and that is the soil. Sower is always the same. Seed is always the same. The soils are different. So let's look at Jesus' explanation. Verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. This is the good news of the kingdom. Those along the path, hey, sometimes life is going to feel hard. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and take away, takes away the word in their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground, hey, sometimes life is going to be dry. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns, sometimes life is going to be troubled, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by, does this sound familiar? Life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. So there are four kinds of soil that really represent our heart or it's the soil of the human soul. And three of those four are the kind of soil that stunts the growth of the seed. Okay, And here's what 
Jesus seems to teach are the main things that stunt our growth, the devil, discouragement, and distraction. Think about those for just a moment. Now, I don't know if those are the only three. I don't know if they're the main three, but it's the three that Jesus seems to identify what causes the seed not to germinate and grow. Let's take them one at a time, the devil. Seed lands on your life. Devil's going to do anything he can to trample. He's going to do everything he can to make you forget that God really matters. Now, it might feel a little medieval or a little ancient world to talk about the devil. But I do believe the devil is real for two primary reasons. Number one, Jesus taught that the devil is real. And I think we ought to be very careful to dismiss anything that Jesus directly taught. The second is this that there is evil in the world that cannot be explained merely by human conditions. There's more evil in the world. The world is not only more evil than you imagine, it's more evil than you can imagine. I heard a statistic this week. I, I should have verified this. I don't know if it's true. Let me say that going in. But the statistic I heard is that when you search the internet, 99% of the internet that you can't search is called the dark web. You know, the dark web is not this thing over here. The dark web is 99% of everything that's available. What you and I mostly have exposure to is the 1%. That is incredible. I'm seeing a couple tech people around the room kind of nod their heads like this. So the world is not only darker than you imagine, it's darker than you can imagine. And the world, the evil that is here cannot be explained merely in human terms. Listen. The spiritual reality is you have an enemy. The devil wants to discourage. He wants to destroy you. He wants to disable you anyway. He wants you to forget about God. He doesn't even care if you believe that he exists. He just wants you to forget about God. Here's the good news. The devil is opposite of God, but he is nowhere near God's equal. And this is why the resurrection of Jesus shows us that Jesus is not only stronger than death, he's stronger than Satan himself. Don't let the devil make you forget what's really important because he'll try. Not only is there the devil, but there's also discouragement. Okay. So here the seed doesn't land on the path. It, it lands on stony soil and probably on the surface it looks fine, but, but there's no moisture and because there's no depth to the soil, moisture can't be retained and as the plant grows, it ultimately is going to wither and die. We live in a world right now that is yearning for meaning. I'm about to sound like an old man. Can I give that warning? I'm about to sound like an old man. Okay, but but here it is. So how many of you watched the Super Bowl this last week? Okay. How many of you watched the halftime show this last week? How many of you are living under a rock and you didn't watch either one of them because you don't care? Okay, all right. So that's okay, all right. It's okay to live under a rock every now and then. What, what I noticed, uh, and I, I just said, I'm going to watch through the whole Super Bowl, all the commercials, halftime show, everything. I noticed a lot of hype. Okay, am I the only one that, that sees this? Um, I, I just noticed that this is going to be the best Super Bowl in history. This will be the best halftime show in history. These will be the best commercials in history. And at the end of each one of those, I kind of went, this was my response, meh, you know. M-E-H is a word. Meh. If I ever have a website, it's going to be meh.org. Okay, that's going to be my personal website. You can learn everything about me 
and Darren will be meh, you know. What's the deal with all the hype? Why do we need to tell ourselves that this is gonna be the best ever? Because we're trying to feel alive. We, we wanna have some kind of meaning, some time of feeling, some, time of, some kind of something. Listen, we don't need any more hype. What we really need is hope. We need hope. See here, these people have a lot of hype around the gospel. Oh, this is the best thing ever. And then they move on to the next thing. And we end up living a life that's very discouraging. That yearning that you often feel deep in your soul that nothing seems to satisfy, could that be the only proof you need that you need God? There's something in you that is not satisfied in any other way. That may be the only proof you need that you need God. So there's the devil, there's discouragement, and there's distraction. The third seed falls on ground that's infested by weeds, and all these things just grow up, and they choke out the potential of the plant, and it never really has a chance because it's crowded out by so many other things. It was in 1976 that the first statistic rolled out that Americans were exposed to 500 advertisements a week, and we were scandalized by that. Today, you know what it is? We are exposed, what did I say 500 a minute ago? I said that, okay, 500 ads a week. Today, it's 5,000 a week. 150,000 advertisements a month we take in. And the average church member goes to church two hours a month. And the average churchgoer maybe reads their Bible once, twice a week. And when we do read the Bible, it's a McNugget of Scripture. And we think that's going to be enough. What really holds our attention? So here's where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to get to that place, not where the devil's having his way, not to where we're always discouraged and looking for hype. He wants us to get to that place where we're not distracted by all these other things, that we become this fertile soil and the seed, the Word of God, goes down deep into our souls. Let me challenge you, wherever you are in your relationship with God today, to go deeper. So here's the way Thomas Merton, one of my favorite Catholic mystics, here's how he described it. He said, some people live for God. Now, if that's where you are today, that's great, okay? Because there's a, plenty of people living for themselves. Let the seed go down into your life and you start living for God. God, how do you want me to serve you today? Who do you want me to serve today? How do you want me to pray for people around you? Instead of just wasting my time, I want to be purposeful with my time, the gifts you've given me. But is there more to it than that? Yes. Thomas Martin goes on to say, some people live for God, some people live with God. Maybe that's where you are today. That it's not only, you're not just living your life for Him, you sense Jesus as an accompanying presence in your life. He's not just an idea, you are living with Him every single day, in your workplace, in your home life, you sense the presence of Jesus with you, and that is great. But now there's one more level deeper. Some people live for God. Some people live with God. Some people live in God. This is the deepest level of all, okay? Not that God is in our lives, but we are in 
God's life and everything that results is fruitfulness. Now, here's the major obstacle to growing. And Jesus mentions it right at the very end. But the seed on good soil stands for those with noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. If there's one point Jesus is trying to make here, and how do you become that good soil, that seed that germinates? We've got to persevere. This is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit that we need in order to grow because we'll see evil in the world and want to shut down. We'll be discouraged by the world and we'll give up. We'll be distracted by the things of the world and never come to full fruit. We persevere. Right now, people who are in service occupations, 50% of people want to quit their job. That's true of pastors right now. That 50% of pastors said, if somebody else came along and offered me a job, I would take it. Because right now, life and working with people is hard. Listen, when you feel like giving up most, that's when it matters most to keep going. When you feel like giving up, that's when it matters most to push ahead, do the next right thing, live for, live with, live in God. So this morning I had this unusual mental image. Before I come into a worship gathering, I kind of pray over the people in a room, okay? By the way, some of you sit in the same place every week. I know exactly your faces, okay? I know where you sit. So I kind of pray over the room. This morning I had this odd mental image. I said, I wish I could see instead of you being in your seats, what kind of soil you are right now today. That there is just a pile of soil in your chair instead of you. So that's when you know you've preached too long. If everyone turns to dust, okay? But but instead instead of you being in the chair, if there was just a pile of soil, what would it look like? I don't know. Somebody's getting a kick out of this right now. But you do. I'm asking you to discern, are you that soil on the path? Your heart is just hard. It's hard for anything to penetrate, much less the Word of God. Or, or maybe you, you feel like you're, you have some soil, but you just not a whole lot of depth, not a whole lot of moisture. Your heart feels dry right now. Or maybe there's just a lot of weeds in your life. It's time to weed the garden. Okay. You got a lot of things, like worries and struggles and pleasures and all these things are just kind of wrap themselves around you and they're choking you. I don't know where you are. Okay. I think you do if, if we're discerning what is God saying to me right here, right now. But I do know where God wants us to be. He wants us to be, I'm going to use a good Oklahoma word, that good sod. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of that, that, that spongy sod, that spongy soil that's just ready for truth and for God to be placed on that soil and then let God's thumb push that seed down into the depths of your heart. I don't know where you are today. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. The game's not over. This is a time where we persevere, and in persevering, God's fruit 
will manifest itself in our lives if we don't give up. Let me pray for us. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.